my clients don't like social media. <laughs> That's why they hire it out because they don't really like it. Um, and so when it comes to wooing my clients, and I like that you use that word, it is a little bit of a, of a dance. Um, but when it comes to finding those people, um, it, it takes a little bit of a different approach than what I use with my own clients. Back in 2010, I used to spend a lot of time on Twitter. And I can remember realizing one day while working from my dining room table, back before I had an office to call my own, that a lot had to be happening behind the scenes. In other words, there was everything I could see happening on Twitter or in emails or on websites or in teleseminars. And then there were all the conversations that had to have happened to make that possible. I could see people promoting each other's programs and services. I could see joint ventures. I could see genuine friendships and deep collaborations. I could see these same people start to rise to the top, see their audiences explode, their authority grow exponentially. And I knew for certain that it wasn't just happening. It was being nurtured and engineered behind the scenes. All of a sudden, I felt like I was on the outside looking in, except I didn't end up feeling like an outsider. I just felt like I needed to find the door in. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners about how they make their businesses work, regardless of the current hype, gimmicks, or fads. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. My hypothesis was that much of this relationship building that turned into serious audience building was happening in person at events and coffee dates. Now, I didn't have access to that, but I did have Twitter, and it felt like the next best thing. So I started to put together a list of the movers and shakers that I wanted to form relationships with. I made that list the main Twitter feed that I saw. I spent a good hour or two every day, all right, probably more than that, pouring over that feed and interacting with what people tweeted. It was strategic and genuine at the same time. Now, the results came fast and furious. In no time, I had all sorts of new friends and opportunities. And even though I was forming these relationships one at a time, I started to see my audience grow exponentially from the shares and comments I was receiving from the people who I was interacting with. I was getting interviewed, hosting panel discussions, and being invited to events. Those individual relationships led to massive growth. Over time, I started to rely on these relationships and stopped putting such an emphasis on meeting new people. In fact, meeting new colleagues and influencers became a pretty low priority for me. That was a mistake. When I realized that my audience building had stalled out last year, I started thinking about what I could do to jumpstart growth again. So I asked myself, all right, what's worked in the past? And the answer was pretty easy. Networking behind the scenes, connecting with people one at a time, trusting that real relationship building leads to real audience building. And yep, I can say the results have been typical in the best possible way. So here's what I know. While it appears on the surface that every influencer, thought leader, and market frontrunner has gamed the algorithms and become internet famous through their content and social media strategy, it's actually all happened behind the scenes. It's their relationships that have gotten them ahead. It's the subtle and not-so-subtle boosts from others that have helped them quickly grow audiences. Now, the good news here is that you don't need to buy anyone's magic formula for outsmarting Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, or even email inboxes. And the even better news is that possibly the best thing you can do for your audience building 
is to send a couple of direct messages per day and take a genuine interest in getting to know people one-on-one. How do you do that? Well, that's what today's Candid Conversation is all about. And to hit this message home, I asked Andrea Jones, the founder of a social media marketing agency, to talk about how her own audience building happens behind the scenes. I'll share more about Andrea and our conversation in just a minute. But first, I want to let you know that if getting the inside scoop on what's really working when it comes to marketing, sales, product development, systems, taking time off, creating content, or hiring is something you're hungry for, the What Works Network is now open to new members. Inside the What Works Network, small business owners are talking candidly about what's working and what's not inside their own businesses. We're getting real about different solutions to the same problems. We're taking a long, hard look at the mental hurdles entrepreneurship puts us through. We're ignoring the hype, the fads, and the gimmicks and figuring out what works one small business at a time. When you join us, you get exclusive access to our private conversation space, our global network of experienced small business owners, our monthly insider hours where you can ask me anything, our monthly flash masterminds where you can put yourself in the hot seat, and our quarterly virtual conferences on topics like building your audience, legal issues, and mindset. Get more information and become a member by going to explorewhatworks.com slash network. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. Andrea Jones has worked with hundreds of small businesses, startups, and podcasters since 2014 by helping them create social media strategies that save them time and amplify their message. She's also the host of the Savvy Social Podcast, a weekly show for budding entrepreneurs, and she's the founder of Social Media for Podcasts, a social media agency for podcasters by podcasters. But I didn't ask Andrea on the show to talk about crushing it on social media. Instead, Andrea and I talk about how she uses social media behind the scenes to develop relationships with people who can help get her in front of the right people. She explains step by step exactly what she does to find people to connect with, start a conversation and follow up, plus how she manages it all in Asana. Now let's find out what works for Andrea Jones. Andrea Jones, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. So let's kind of set the stage for this conversation. Can you tell us about the work that your agency does and the kind of clients that you work with? Yeah, so I have a social media agency and my agency really focuses in on organic social media and community building. So I don't do too much with paid advertising. Um, So a lot of what we focus in is on that connection side. Um, And then also I I work with several different niches, um, but a lot of my clients fall under the wellness umbrella. So lots of um, either mental health coaches or um, fitness experts, that sort of thing. Um, And then even more specifically, I've been working with podcasters lately. Um, So I really love that medium. And so a lot of my clients also have a podcast as well as kind of their method of um, getting seen and being visible and that sort of thing. Um, So that's my agency in a nutshell. I would say that um, most of my business happens on my main website, onlinedrea.com. But then I've also created a sub branch of that, which is socialmediaforpodcast.com. But they're essentially the same thing. Okay, sweet. Um, and can you give us kind of a glimpse into what the average campaign looks like for you? What kinds of content are you posting for your clients? What kind of um, what kind of metrics or or 
you know, milestones are you kind of following to make sure that they're getting the results that they want to get? So each client kind of has two different aspects to their um, arrangement with us. So the first part is that social media content, like you mentioned. Um, Typically, we're posting about one time a day. Um, Some of our clients have a little bit less than that. We've been playing around with less content lately. Um, And so that's kind of like one aspect of working with us is the content. Um, And the second aspect, which is where we spend more of our time, is in the growth strategies or what I call organic growth strategies. Um, So a lot of that could mean, you know, metrics like looking at how many followers are increasing, but we're also looking at their marketing in a more holistic um, viewpoint. So it's not just social media metrics, but how do those metrics play into things like, you know, Google Analytics? So how much um, time are people from Instagram spending on the page versus people from Facebook? Um, So we're kind of looking at all of those different aspects um, when it comes to working with our clients. Got it. That, thank you. That's very helpful. Um, all right. I want to talk more about you now because that's why we're here. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of our listeners might expect that since social media is your business, you would spend a lot of time creating content for social media, posting the social media, just doing the social media thing. And I know that you do utilize social media b- to build your audience But I also know that there's a lot going on beneath the surface. And I think that's really the crux of this conversation. So how are you personally building your audience, uh, kind of wooing your ideal clients differently than the way that you build audiences for your clients? That's such a great question because I think it's important to understand that my clients don't like social media. (laughs) That's why they hire out because they don't really like it. Um, And so when it comes to wooing my clients, and I like that you use that word uh, wooing because it is a little bit of a a dance and a a, a dating. I like to use that relationship a lot. Um, But when it comes to finding those people, um, it it takes a little bit of a different approach than what I use with my own clients. Um, Oftentimes, I'm finding my clients inside of paid communities like what works if I can give them a shout out. Um, Yes, I love that community. Um, And I think that it's just starting conversation. So a lot of it is happening um, beneath the surface, as you said, in messages, um, in paid communities, um, and even in um, on sites like um, Upwork, for instance, where, where people are actually putting their foot out there, putting their their business out there and saying, Hey, I need help. Um, and so a lot of times I'm finding my clients in those aspects and not so much on social media. Um, social media is a really great way for me to showcase my authority. I do make a lot of, um, more like lateral connections. So if I'm looking for, um, web designers to connect with or copywriters, we're all in the same space. So, um, collaborating with those people is, uh, social media is a really great place for that. Um, but as far as my clients, they're usually not on social social media. So I'm finding them in other places. Got it. Um, I'm sure that has listeners kind of thinking like, okay, if Andrea is offering social media services to one kind of company or to her clients and she's doing something else, like, is that normal? Is that okay? Which should I be doing? Can you break down for us why both approaches do work and why they do work well and sort of how you parse or how you have parsed the fact that your approach works well for you, but your agency's approach works well for your clients? 
I think the the reason that I can work so well with my clients is because I'm practicing what I preach essentially. So I am building an audience on social media. Um, in fact, an example would be I talked to a potential client recently who's looking to start a Facebook group and they're interviewing several different people, um, but they really want to do this Facebook group. So they're looking for someone who's had that experience. So not only have I done it for my clients, I have my own Facebook group so I can bring insights into that client's um, experience just from my own experience and path and journey on building a Facebook group. Uh, but the reason that I think that it works so well with my clients, um, you know, that strategy is because we're going where their audience is. And so it's, I think it's important to um, keep that in mind. And sometimes I talk myself out of a job when I say, you know, hey, maybe social media isn't the thing for you. Um, if you know, if there are certain elements of what you're selling or certain aspects of your audience characteristics that indicates that they wouldn't be on social media. So that's how it works with my own business. My audience typically isn't on social media, unless we're talking about things like some of my courses and that sort of thing, which is just a smaller part of what I do. Most of my time is spent with my clients, my private clients, and more often than not, they're not on social media. All right. Awesome. I think that's probably really helpful for people. Um, and uh, maybe it's a little anxiety inducing too, and in that they thought that this is what they were supposed to be doing, but maybe now there's something else. But let's talk about that something else, <laughs> because I think you've done this really well. And you mentioned that you spend a lot of time in communities, you spend a lot of time in messages. I'm also really intrigued by the Upwork piece. So hopefully we can come back to that as well. Um, but let's dig into this idea of networking behind the scenes, beneath the surface, um, all the stuff that you can't see that's actually the thing that is bringing in the clients for you. So let's start off by having you describe uh, how you decide who or what you're going to put energy into when it comes to that networking piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and it is a lot like networking in person or meeting people in person. Um, so I like to think of this as, um, for myself, like if, if I'm going out, for instance, I see a lot of different people. Maybe I make eye contact with some people, maybe have a few conversations. Um, I may meet someone that day who, you know, may be a friend or it may just be just that in that moment. And so I try to take online networking with that approach as well. Um, when I'm looking looking for someone online, I'm looking for something that I can connect, some way I can connect with them. Um, so really easy one for me is location. So I'm originally from Atlanta. So if I'm just starting as a baseline, I'm going to look for businesses in Atlanta because it's a good conversation starter. Hey, I'm from Atlanta. Um, also looking for people in my local area as well. Now I live near Niagara Falls in Canada, so maybe I'm looking for that. It's a really great way to just start the conversation. And I think if we approach it from that human side, at least that's what I try to do, then it really makes it a lot easier to dive into a conversation with someone. Because um, I, I don't know about you, but I get these messages on LinkedIn sometimes where it's like people they have no idea what I what I even do. And they're just diving right into like trying to pitch me on something. Mm -hmm. And it feels gross. I don't like it. Um, so if you just approach it from the perspective of 
hey, I just want to start a conversation with someone. I know for me, that has worked so much better. And um, not everything turns into something. Um, All you're doing is putting yourself out there. And just like dating or making a friend or something like that, not everyone you talk to will become, you know, your bestie for life. But um, if you just approach it with like an open perspective, um, that's really what's worked for me. Okay. At the risk of getting almost too granular, although I don't think we could do that here, <laughs> um, this this uh, process of just starting conversations with people, I think is actually really intimidating for a lot of folks. And I personally, I have no problem with it online. I have tons of problems with it offline. Um, I know a lot of people are in the reverse and there are plenty of people in the camp of just, I'd prefer not to start conversations <laughs> with people ever. Um, so when you find somebody that you want to reach out to, find someone you want to start a conversation with. Cause like you said, you're, you're just curious. You're looking for someone who, you know, who knows this person seems cool. Could this could turn into something later on? I don't know, but I'm going to shoot them a message. What does that message actually look like? Can you give us an example of what you would say to someone in that initial kind of cold contact? Yeah. And so I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I'll use Instagram as an example. Um, And Instagram stories has been a great way to do this. And I'm like you, like I can start conversations online much more easily than in person. I'm very introverted. And I like the control of like, okay, I'm going online. This is my networking time. And then I can spend the rest of the day being quiet. Right. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Um, But Instagram stories has been a really great way to do this. And I often do this in the form of a compliment, which just comes easily to me. Um, So if someone's on Instagram stories and they're talking about, you know, a speaking gig they have coming up, then an easy thing to do for me is just to type in, hey, congrats on your speaking gig. Um, That just opens up the conversation. And usually that person feels very flattered to have that sort of compliment. Um, Another way to do this with Instagram stories that I really like as well is to ask a follow-up question. So if someone's saying something like, um, you know, hey, this is what my day is like, this is what I'm doing today, then you can really ask them a follow-up question like, oh, I really find this element of what you're talking about interesting. Can you tell me more? Um, And it's, you know, just starting conversations. I mean, the very least with Instagram stories, when you start to type a, a message, Instagram gives you like these emojis they recommend. At the very least, you can send an emoji. And sometimes that's all you need to start a conversation. Absolutely. So I just posted something to stories yesterday. I was reflecting on a, an article I saw in the New York Times um, about the con of the side hustle. It was it's a good read. Anyhow, um, I, you know, I posted a video about it, um, or a few videos about it, really. And a whole bunch of people just sent me back emojis. And I love that, because it doesn't take any of my time to even acknowledge those, you know, I double tap them, or I say thanks. But one, I love that people reached out and that lets me know that I touched a nerve with that idea. And then two, um, it means those people's faces pop up in my feed and I know they're paying attention. And the next time they go to send me a message, I will maybe recognize that avatar or I'll see that they have sent me something in the past. Um, or also I've just now allowed a whole bunch of new messages from people I didn't know before. Um, and that's, that's really exciting. And I know it's like, probably like lowest common denominator networking, but it's a first step, right? And I think that we often um, 
negate or neglect those first steps because we think it's not good enough. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, from the business person perspective, we're so obsessed with the last step, like the final thing, like people giving us money for our things and our time that we often forget those little baby steps that it takes to get there. Um, And oftentimes it does take multiple steps to get there. Um, We need multiple touch points. We need, you know, just like the dating analogy, we need the eye contact. We need, okay, let's hand them our number. Let's go on a few dates. Let's meet their parents like all of those things that go along with dating, um, you know, networking can be approached from the same avenue. Like we're not thinking about it as the final thing, like marry me. Uh, But those little baby steps along the way are so important. Yeah, well, that is a perfect lead into them. My next question. We'll hear what a typical behind the scenes interaction looks like for Andrea in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks unlocks your ability to sell experiences, relationships, and expertise in one place with its all-in-one platform. Instead of wrestling with a whole host of apps and services to turn your content, ideas, or movement into a thriving business, Mighty Networks finally brings it all together in one place. You can create articles, online courses, and events, organize your community into groups, host an online chat, and connect with beautiful profiles. Plus, you can track your stats, manage payments, and maintain your own customer information right inside the platform. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our upcoming virtual conference, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start growing your business all in one place. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. What Works is also brought to you by the What Works Network. Are you craving more grown-up talk about running a small business? The What Works Network is where small business owners like you talk shop without the drama, the hype, or the get-rich-quick promises. This week, our members are talking about ways we cycle through hard work and time off, letting go of products that don't serve our businesses anymore, and how to handle it when our worst fears about networking come true. And next week, we're hosting our next virtual conference, all about building your audience. We'll tackle the topic from four different angles. Dana Kay will share what it takes to create a magnetic brand. Dr. Michelle Mazur will speak on creating a rallying cry for your audience. Amy Walsh will share how to create engaging visuals to represent your business. And Alethea Fitzpatrick will speak on building an inclusive audience. In fact, here's Alethea in her own words. Hi, my name is Alethea Chang Fitzpatrick. I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. I help people, teams, and organizations shift and transform culture through inclusion and belonging so that we can all do our best work. One of the things that I love about the What Works Network is the thoughtful reflection and analysis that members bring to every conversation and interaction. And I'm really looking forward to the Build Your Audience virtual conference and digging into a conversation about bringing an inclusive perspective to your audience building. Creating inclusion doesn't mean that you can't be discerning about who you want in your audience. However, what you want to be aware of is how you might be inadvertently excluding people that would really benefit and have a lot to offer your audience. There are also many benefits to being as inclusive as possible with the audience that you have. I can't wait to participate in the conference and I'll see you there. 
Every day, we talk candidly about the nitty-gritty details of marketing, sales, systems, pricing, copywriting, social media, and more. Plus, we host monthly events like our Flash Masterminds, Insider Hours, and Community Roundtables, so you can talk with people who get it about the business topics that matter the most to you. Membership is just $50 per month, and you can cancel anytime. And there's no risk to you. You don't find our platform and events to be full of welcoming, experienced small business owners who talk candidly about the ins and outs of small business will happily refund your first month's membership fee. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to join us. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. Membership closes on June 12th, so don't wait. So once you've made that initial outreach, the compliment, the emoji, the follow-up question. I think those are all really, really good strategies that uh, anyone can use to kind of reproduce similar results. What does a typical interaction look like after that? Can you maybe walk us through an example um, of, of, some, of a conversation that you've had or an ongoing relationship that's developed um, and, you know, just sort of how these things typically progress? Yeah. So um, an example would be oftentimes with podcasters as well. I I get a lot of messages that can turn into um, potential leads. So oftentimes it just starts with a question, Um, you know, hey, how do you how did you make that audiogram in your last post? (laughs) And then I can say, oh, I have a video for that and send them to the video. Then you do need other social media help. I'd be happy to hop on a call with you and talk more about it. Um, If not, no pressure. And um, I would say probably like one out of 10 people take me up on the offer to get on a call with me. So it is a lot of um, you know, putting yourself out there, not everyone's going to say yes, but you're giving them the opportunity to say yes. And I really like to um, have what I call the, the, an indicator of interest. So I want to give them the chance to say, yes, I'm interested in potentially taking this further. So for some people that could be, you know, signing up for an email list. For me, it's, you know, I want to get on a call and talk with them and have the opportunity to figure out what their challenges are and see if what I offer can be a solution to those challenges. Got it. Okay. Um, Let's see, where do I want to go next? Because I just I want to make sure that that people like really understand how important this is and how often um, I think that we're kind of going about things backwards, kind of harkening back to where we started with the conversation. I guess I guess the next logical place to go is is just figuring out whether this is working or not, um, because I think we can spend a lot of time and energy chasing leads that aren't actually going anywhere or chasing um, chasing c- consultation calls instead of actually chasing clients. How do you judge whether your efforts are actually working out in the ways you need them to 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 meet your business goals? Yeah. And I like to look at this from a time perspective, because I think it's easy to get sucked into spending too much time on social media. Um, And so I actually measure my, my metrics or my success on social media by how much time I'm spending on it, which is not a lot. I don't want to spend all day on this. I've got a business to run. Mm -hmm. So I typically spend about I would say 30 minutes a day doing a lot of these activities. And I really want it to be a daily habit. 
Um, and then outside of, you know, making sure I have that daily habit of spending time on social media, some of the things that are important to me or what, what have worked, what works for me is really the quality of the conversations that I'm having with people and that indicator of interest. So for me, it would be the um, consultation calls. And I know that for some people, if you're spending that amount of time and you're not seeing a return, there could be issues along the way. Um, So, you know, it could be you know, if I, if I'm reaching out to people and I'm not seeing a result, maybe they're not the right people, or maybe I'm being, um, you know, not eloquent enough in asking for that, um, next step or that um, indicator of interest. Um, but for me, it's really the quality, the quality of conversations. And I know that it's, it's a really hard metric to keep track of. It's not like, you know, a dollars and cents ROI type of metric. Um, but I know that it works because I mean, I can just see it in my business every day. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned the 30 minutes a day, you mentioned wanting to make it a daily habit. And I would love for you to talk about how you actually manage that on a day-to-day basis. Um, You shared a little bit about this or a lot about this really with uh, the What Works Network and our last virtual conference. Um, But I think that uh, this is really germane to this conversation too. So how, how do you structure that 30 minutes? What does that look like for you? And how do you make sure that the, that you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing according to your plan. Yeah, so I've set it up so that I it's fairly structured. I used to think I was a free spirit. No, I like my structure. <laughs> <laughs> I thrive in the structure environment. Um, so I use Asana for task management and I have a task every day for social media so that I make sure that it's part of my to-do list. I need to check it off every single day. Um, in order to do that, though, I also turn off all of my notifications on my phone. I don't want to get distracted by an Instagram direct message while I'm in the middle of, you know, writing uh, notes for my podcast. It's not a good use of my time to be distracted in moments where I need to be creative. Um, so I really make sure that those that time is set aside for social media. And then I give myself a little, little checklist um, that lets me know what I should be doing in that time. So, you know, let's scroll through the feed and I'm trying to find, you know, two people who I haven't commented on their posts in a while. I want to leave a really thoughtful comment. Um, And then I'm going to go through a hashtag and look for, um, you know, three people that I don't know and maybe just start a relationship with them, which could be just liking a few posts. It could be following them. Um, And so I I follow that pretty much every day, um, at least during the week, just to keep myself on track. And it really helps me, number one, I really like social media. I found myself getting a little burned out when I was doing more than that. Um, And so it's almost like, you know, too much of a good thing can be bad. So I want to make sure that I'm, you know, still enjoying social media, but also in a way that is moving the needle forward with some of the goals that I want to achieve in my business. Got it. Yeah. And and I I want to make it clear that you're making a distinction between just going on social media for 30 minutes a day and actually using social media strategically to do this networking, to get behind the scenes, to start relationships with people in that 30 minutes a day. Outside of your work day, what does your social media use look like? I really like dog videos and cat videos. (laughs) 
so that's that's my free time. Like that's not, you know, the 30 minutes a day that's like I'm I'm being really productive. But at the end of the night, I definitely still just scroll through social media looking for cute dogs. That's like my goal. Um and I think it's fun. It's you know, it's a great way to, you know, de-stress at the end of the day for me and it's bonus time. It is not work time. <laughs> That is so awesome. I really want to make that the cold open to the show, but I don't think that's going to serve our purposes in the actual interview. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, how, uh, let's talk a little bit more about this checklist for your 30 minutes. Um, you mentioned things like, uh, you know, finding two people to start a relationship with, finding a hashtag. Is that checklist the same every day? day or does it vary depending on the day of the week or like what your priorities are? Can you tell us a little bit more about that particular piece? Yeah. So I do keep my checklist the same every day. Um, I do kind of modify it, um, you know, over time uh, based on, you know, some things that I've seen work really well. Um, But it's pretty much the same every day. Um, I actually have a PDF somewhere that I probably could could give away. Um, send me a message on Instagram if you guys want that and I'll, I'll uh, send it to you. But um, it, it, I try to keep it the same every day so that I can see what's working. Um, so for instance, if I'm looking at hashtags and I'm like, whoa, hashtags used to be really great, but I've been doing this for you know this whole week and I haven't gotten any bites, then it may be time to revisit that strategy. So I want to make sure to keep it the same so I can really tell what's working and what's not. Um, otherwise, it's just a guessing game for me. That makes a ton of sense. Um, okay, so another thing that I'm curious about, because I noticed this with myself, is the more I am engaging in this extremely important behind-the-scenes social media work, um, just like with email, the more it compounds. Like the more emails you send, the more emails you receive back, and it it compounds and compounds and compounds until, oh my gosh, my inbox is overflowing or my DMs are on fire. And how do I keep up with that? And so I'm wondering if you have that experience or if that is sort of like a fear that I have and that I know many other people have um, that doesn't actually often come to fruition. Um, And if it does, if you do find yourself um, with this um, exponentially growing set of obligations that are your messages and your behind the scenes work. How do you manage that? Yeah, I think that's a, an important question because um, there it, there does come a, a time where it can you can grow a lot, which is a good thing. It's it's a good problem to have, um, and oftentimes um, one or two things can happen. You either outsource something else so you can spend more time moderating that, or you hand it off to someone else, which is where my private what my private clients do. Um, oftentimes, it's just gotten to the point where they need to have um, someone dedicated to responding to um, inquiries in the inbox, for instance. Um, So I do think there is a point where that can happen. Um, If you want to keep it to yourself, so I know for you, Tara, um, you probably want to do it yourself. I I can't imagine having someone else do it for you. that would could be a time to just take a break on your growth strategies. Like if your growth strategies mm-hmm. are working and um, you want to take your foot off the pedal a little bit, like your foot off the gas, then absolutely, that's a great time to do it. Take a break. Um, you're allowed to take breaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I think that is a, a fair a fair goal to have, and it is a sliding scale. So 
a lot of times with my clients as well, um, we will spend more time on community management than growth strategies. Um, Mm. So what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes some clients get to the point where a lot of stuff is happening organically for them. People are talking about their brand online a lot. So we don't need to be as aggressive with finding new people. New people are finding them every day. Um, And so we're spending a lot more time managing that side than doing the growth strategy. So it can be a little bit of a balance between those two things. That makes a ton of sense. (laughs) Um, And I love that you give um, permission, (laughs) not that we need permission, but it's nice to have it um, to take a break. Because I think, you know, especially when we are talking about making this a habit and getting into the routine of this, that it can feel like it, well, if you take a step back, that you're losing ground or that you are somehow, you know, it's the FOMO stuff, fear of missing out. Um, And I totally agree that sometimes, you know, just taking a break, even if it's just a couple of days, can help you feel a lot more sane and on top of things and refill the bucket that you need to go back and talk to people some more. I mean, I do that on a regular basis. Um, Okay, I want to start wrapping things up. um, But I want to kind of bring it full circle by talking about how you actually manage the content that you're putting out. Because like we said at the very beginning, you are, in addition to these networking strategies, you are putting out content, you are um, being, uh, you are kind of creating an example of what your clients can expect from you. So I'm curious how you balance or how you integrate your content strategy on social media with the networking piece of those uh, piece of it. How do you tie those things together um, so that you know, you're achieving your goals? I like to think of my my social media content as really the foundation of the networking. Um, And I use that dating analogy a lot. So it's almost like um, getting dressed for your date to like looking nice, Um, but also, um, you know, so that it's not a ghost town. So people have something to connect with when when I'm doing these networking strategies, because oftentimes I'm playing into the natural curiosity of people. So if I leave a comment on someone's post that they've never heard of me before, they're probably going to click on over to my profile and take a look at what's going on. So I want to make sure that I have posts um, that are recent that speak to what I'm all about. Um, Now, I do have, again, a a system for that, which I like. Um, So I use Asana again to... I give myself a day for creating my content. My day's Friday. So every single Friday, I'm writing out my content for the next week, choosing some images, maybe creating something in Canva, whatever I need. Um, And then I schedule it using a tool called Social Report so that it goes out at the right time. And then that way, I don't have to worry about it the rest of the week. Um, And that gives me a little more freedom to... um, spend time on the networking. And it also, I find for me, the the creativity, like now that I've assigned myself that creative time, I'm able to come up with posts that are, um, that can go a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and I'm giving myself that time and space. I, I take about an hour to do this. Um, and I really don't recommend going any more than that hour if you can. Um, but I take about an hour, sit down, write out my post for the week. And then I feel like my, the, the posts come out so much better because I'm allowing my creativity to flow in that moment um, rather than you know panicking on Wednesday and being like, oh my gosh, I didn't post anything today. I have to say something right now. <laughs> I find that that's not really a great way to come up with something creative, at least for me. 
No, it's not. I do that all the time. <laughs> it's not good. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, Andrea, I would love for you to just kind of share with us, like, what are you excited about this year? What kind of projects do you have on the horizon that, um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're putting your effort and your energy into right now? Yeah, so I do spend a lot of time on my client work, but I have my my pet projects, which are my courses and training programs. So um, a lot of the things that I talk about that I love to do, I'm starting to teach them as well, which is a whole nother aspect to the business that um, I haven't done before. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time in the past year doing that, and I'm really excited to continue doing that in the next year. So um, that's over at the SavvySocialSchool.com, um, but that's that's, that's what's on the horizon for me. That's awesome. Andrea Jones, thank you so much for giving us this insight into how you use social media, different than others might expect, to grow your audience and find your clients. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Find out more about Andrea Jones at onlinedrea.com or find her podcast, The Savvy Social Podcast, wherever you listen to What Works. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 200 more candid conversations about growing and running a small business at explorewhatworks.com.